knights of the Soul Star Order, defenders of justice and truth, have been ambushed by the evil magicians, the Diaries. This is the world of the Micronauts, a Croyer, the enemy, and the Micronaut space warriors, all sold separately. Discover Planet of the Apes. The Shogun Warriors, Guy King with rocket boosters, Great Mazinga with rocket launcher. Look, Godzilla! Is he friend or foe? You can decide. Launch his claw. Imagine his breath is a blast of fire. House of Licensed Ideas, Episode 4. I'm your host, Herman. And I'm with Billy D as as always. Uh, Billy, how are you this week? I am doing well, and I just triple fours here. Episode four, issue four, four, four. I just can't get the number four out of my head now. Yeah, that's right, man. We're we're on issue mm-hmm. four already, and it feels like we just started the other day. It's already four months <laughs> in the making, which is weird. Yeah, time flies. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, but it's because we're having fun, and uh, you know, we're having a blast talking about these licensed Marvel comics. Uh, Again, Mm. we're doing ROM, and like you say, ROM issue 4, we're doing Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and then we're doing Micronauts, all of them issue 4. But this will change soon, right, listeners, because we mentioned early on uh, in the show, I think maybe at episode 1 already, we mentioned we might change it up a bit after uh, issue 5, right, Billy? We might do Shogun Mm -hmm. Warriors, we might do John Carter, Warlord of Mars, we'll surprise you. Uh, but we're mm-hmm. definitely going to continue with Rom and the Micronauts and Godzilla until we finish the entire run, <laughs> if, if we live mm-hmm. that long. But um, <laughs> here's hoping. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So um, without further ado, I'm going to run through some uh, specs here, some details concerning these issues. Mm-hmm. And then, Billy, we're going to hit our Twitter-style synopses. All right, as right. ever, we're doing ROM first, our favorite of the bunch. Sometimes the storyline is mm-hmm. not our favorite, the particular uh, tale uh, that's being told. But, you know, the, I, I'm, am I wrong in saying, Billy, that ROM is our favorite of the licensed properties, personal favorites? Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's overall from start to finish. I mean, I think that's the general consensus, and you can usually see why when you see the length of you know, how long the title lasted. This one lasted way longer than, or a good bit longer than Micronauts and way longer than Godzilla. Now, Godzilla was, you know, I think that was a property that Toho, you know, it was a very limited thing. It wasn't like Toho said, oh, make these comics, you know, for 20 years. So that might have had something to do with that too. But um, definitely, you know, you figure ROM went for what, 70 issues or? Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, four four annuals. yeah, Yeah, that's right. The thing is, though, you you got to be careful when you pick your favorites because Conan te- te- technically is a licensed property too. So I'm I'm gonna have to pick That's Conan true. as my overall favorite. That lasted well into the 1990s, but um, you know Rom of of the ones that we discussed the uh, other than Conan, mm-hmm. I would say Rom's my absolute favorite. Just like you say, because of the quality, the art, the writing, uh, it all came well together from Bill Mantlo and uh, Sal Buscema. And I think Sal, mm-hmm. wow, he he had a lengthy run on this comic. I don't know if he ever had, oh, such, yeah. he never had this long a run on any other comic, not even the Hulk. I mean, continuously, you know, so. Well, 
No, I don't think so. This probably was it. Yeah, this was their own little universe, but it was very connected to the rest of the Marvel Universe. But I mean, creatively, they did what they wanted to do, um, and they were left to, to, to do that to their own mm-hmm. devices, and it worked. So, yeah, for sure. So, you know, doing ROM again, and um, to give some details here, this is uh, ROM number four, as we mentioned, cover dated March 1980, on sale December 18th, 1979. And the cover mm-hmm. art is by Al Milgram, and it's a great cover. We'll talk about that. Edited by Mary Jo Duffy. The title of this particular story is The Fire, The Fiend. Oh, sorry, the fire, the friend, and the foe. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have been weird if Fiend was in there. Yeah, the fire, the friend, and the foe. <laughs> and, uh, of course, written by Bill Mantlow, art by Sal Buscema, lettered by James R. Novak, colored by Ben Sean. And, uh, Billy, Twitter-style synopsis, what do you have for us? Okay, the battle is on between Rom and Firefall a.k.a. Archie Stryker. But we also see Brandy Clark has been kidnapped by two wraiths posing as government agents. It's up to her boyfriend, Steve Jackson, to save her and Rom to save Earth. <laughs> Great, man. Awesome. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, ours are, is eerily similar. Uh, mm-hmm. Ours are eerily similar this week. Um, so I, there's no you know, uh, deviancy here for me. I'm, I'm <laughs> basically spot on. With your review here. Um, mine says, Archie Stryker, a.k.a. the new Firefall, gives Rom a hot foot while <laughs> Steve is in hot pursuit of Brandy and her abductors, the dire race, disguised as G-Men. The battle heats up as Rom's anger at the raid's mm-hmm. blasphemy explodes in a blazing inferno of wrath. Meanwhile, things reach a boiling point after Brandy survives yet another flaming car wreck. So I put a lot of fire references in there. Mm-hmm. After all, fire fall, well, he falls, right, in this one. Mm-hmm. So he makes true, well, he, he uh, you know, uh, his name proves to be self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> Poor Firefall. <laughs> this is Firefall 2, yeah. by the way, yeah. I didn't realize, did they mention in the previous issue when they were saying they were going to put him in this uh, armor that it had belonged to one of Rom's friends before? They didn't mention it to Archie Stryker. No, they didn't. I mean, Rom mentions it in in an inner monologue, I think. But if I'm not mistaken, they didn't say that this used to belong to a fallen space knight. No, because Archie Stryker still thinks he's... uh, his captors are... He just thinks it's a bit of government tech or something. Uh, yeah. But, but during the battle, he sort of... He knows. Um, you know, he's, he, he says he wields the living flame, which is weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, he must think, what kind of government technology is this? that <laughs> would give him living flame. But it might also be the circuitry that's integrating with his mind, which is what's happening yeah. during the battle, right? But he's become... The more he uses the mm-hmm. armor, the more his nervous system becomes entwined with its circuit so yeah. it could be that too but yeah they didn't mention that this is the armor of a fallen space knight i think mm-hmm. yeah so yeah we got a little backstory about that from rom then too he tells about his buddy uh that had the Karis. armor before this guy yeah Karis, mm-hmm. his best friend Karis, a gentle soul who once saved rom from an ill-fated uh, diving what 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 ill-fated swimming uh <laughs> excursion <laughs> 
Rob oh. had a cramp. <laughs> yeah, he got a cramp, and Karis had to dive in and save him. Man, <laughs> these guys all are these buffed-up super types, you know, the the, the Galadorians. Mm-hmm. They're all these uh, yeah. Adonises uh, with these long, flowing locks, and then Karis dives in and saves Rom, and then he... But he's, he's the first to leap into the fray once he's transformed into a cyborg to battle the mm-hmm. diorites, and that proves his undoing, right, Billy, because he disappears during the battle. So Rom lost his best friend, and now that he sees Archie Stryger in Firefall's armor, he knows... Without a doubt, that Firefall, that Karis is dead, and the Roms, uh, well, well, the Diarrhaeths stripped him of his armor. So, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, mm, sad. When I was checking out this story here, and it was showing them, you know, before their uh, armor days and the uh, crazy war here, mm. uh, or at least before they went into battle, I'm just thinking, uh, do Galadorians not have nipples? Because uh, <laughs> I'm looking at Karis here, and he he doesn't have any. So I was yeah. I didn't or know what was going on there? Sal Buscema didn't like to draw nipples, or what? I'm sure he did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when he was a young man exercising his heart. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, he, that's weird. That's weird. It's a detail that, uh-huh. that probably escaped him. But it could be. You know, you know, some some alien races mm-hmm. don't have navels. Galadorians don't have nipples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, that's mm. weird. And then I like too how during during the fight, you know, Rom's holding back because he has an oath not to hurt any Earthlings, mm. and uh, you know, the armor being of his, you know, uh, friend, his fallen friend, he doesn't really. He's having a hard time with this battle, but you know, eventually he starts clobbering the crap out of this guy, and I like that. Mm. Yeah, dude, I'm looking at the issue now, just before this, just to confirm if what we said was true. Yeah, they never told Archie Stryker mm-hmm. that this is the armor of a uh, fallen space light never so um, i'm reading that that page right now it's on issue three's page 14 and uh, yeah they okay. just introduce it as this armor that will enhance you and make you the equal of rom and give you the reflexes the power needed that's all they say you know so then mm-hmm. uh then wait let me check later on in the issue uh he shows up when rom's like tearing through those raids in that cave system Right, destroying their <laughs> interdimensional machine, uh, and With then the freaking laser beams. Yeah, yeah. No, he knows nothing. <laughs> well, that was the one before. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He uh, he definitely knows nothing, right? But somehow he knows. I mean, he Karas's name was never Fireful, right? He mm-hmm. Archie Stryker sort of christened himself, you know, as as Fireful, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, you're right, but he didn't know, and somehow the mm-hmm. knowledge became part of his brain during this fight, right? Yeah. Now, Billy, there's a lot of great moments here. Okay, Rom's struggling with the living fire at first, but here we get another uh, sense of some of Rom's abilities. It seems that his armor, much like the vision over at the Avengers, his body has the means of self-repair. You know, even mm-hmm. the circuitry, the the the, the uh, mechanical parts of his body, they can self-repair, which which mm-hmm. is very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, for real. Yeah, I love the 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 one panel where Bushima draws Firefall creating this fireball above his head, Archie Striker, and then hurling it at Rom, and then Rom's neutralizer neutralizes it. But um, he's having a hard time here because he's sort of holding back, you know, in 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 reverence or in he doesn't want to damage the armor of his fallen friend. But you know. That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, he should the, the the blasphemy of this should be enough to to want him to strip Archie from this armor as soon as possible. Or what would you say? 
We'll be back after a quick break. Ever wish you could sip cocktails and discuss great books with your friends while hanging out in a rundown piano bar? Here on the Literary Guys podcast, that's what we do. I'm Dr. Gordon McCallan. And I'm author Zachary Kellyan. Each month, we discuss books from two different views of modern masculinity. From both a gay and a straight perspective. From To Kill a Mockingbird to future governors in the jungle trying to kill a predator. We welcome everyone to join our conversation on the good and toxic of what literature and pop culture have to say about masculinity. So pour yourself a drink and join us now for Season 3. Literary Guys. That's G-U-I-S-E. LiteraryGuys.com. I see what you did there. Yeah, I. it does seem a little strange because I think to myself, it's great that you have this vow that you don't want to hurt humans, but if one's trying to kill you and they're all juiced up with this crazy armor, you know, I, I just think you got to do what you got to do. And I'm not saying you got to kill the guy, but at least you have to fight back and, you know, incapacitate him. Yeah, he's fighting very defensively. You know, yeah. um, Archie Stryker's making all of the attacking moves um, and uh, Rom's on the ropes. But then, you know, we cut to Brandy being abducted by these rays. This is a funny bit, right? She realizes, she first <laughs> realizes they're rays when the guy pulls out this sci-fi communicator, right? And then yeah. Brandy just tries to crash the car immediately. <laughs> and they restrain her with some chloroform. But this is now, this is really insane because she used to be a scientist. <laughs> well, she's a scientist, right? Researcher. She, yeah. she recognized the smell of the chloroform and then she holds her breath <laughs> faking her unconsciousness there and then you know um our, of course like you say steve jackson the hero he's in uh, you know hot pursuit trying to um you know save brandy from these g-men and then rom you know plummets to the earth like a fiery meteor and this this makes for another great scene because he falls right in front of that cave mouth or that mine shaft, right, Billy, where the diorates have been constructing that machine. And there's some yeah. revenge-driven wraiths looking to, you know, to get some Space Knight scalps <laughs> or something because <laughs> they they show up, they try to blast Rom, uh, you know, and then he just, free, yeah, he blasts him <laughs> with his neutralizer and they're hurled mm-hmm. into limbo. Man, mm-hmm. I never get tired of those limbo plunging panels. No, that's awesome. I do love it when he blasts them. <laughs> yeah. But Archie Stryker thinks these are, again, men murdered by Rom because it appears that they've been just disintegrated in front of his eyes. Mm-hmm. So he, he becomes murderous with rage. And there's this great little panel on page 11 where Archie's, you know, it's a great Selbashima drawing of a face where Archie is, uh, you know, uh, open-mouthed and you see the, the spittle string that Bushima's so good at drawing. Uh, prominently displayed in his mouth, right, Billy? You know what I'm talking about, uh-huh. page 11. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. They always have it, and I love that, too. That's that's like a Sal Buscema staple. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you got the next panel with Archie, like, ringing his ears, saying, I'll do anything to stop that murderer. Anything! <laughs> what? I, why? I mean, he's a criminal. He's probably taken lives. I mean, when he was a war, you know, when he was in war, a soldier as well. Jeez, I mean, okay, but maybe some people, you know, like we mentioned Bruce Wayne in the the <laughs> Batman versus Superman movie, right? He was similar. Mm-hmm. He just can't stand the fact that an alien is on Earth taking human lives. But mm-hmm. um, here, Rom is still, you know, being beaten by Archie Stryker, but he tries his neutralizer on Archie more to prove to him that, you know, he's not a murderer. 
because the mm-hmm. neutralizer does nothing against humans. It hurts a little, or it feels strange when it probes you. <laughs> 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 but you know, um, he's not, you know, obviously doing that to to win the fight. He's just doing that to win the debate against Archie, right, Billy? Right. Yeah. Doesn't work though. And then um, no. St- Steve, he tries to stop the G-men from abducting Brandy because he sees she's she's passed out in the car uh but they mm-hmm. blast uh, him with a heat ray they narrowly miss mm-hmm. him and then he oh, realizes yeah, yeah. that the you know what rom's been saying might be true like how could they have the sci-fi gun on them and why are mm-hmm. they abducting brandy it might be true that there are sinister goings on happening here he doesn't quite believe they're aliens up. yet but yeah and then brandy mm-hmm. man this is a great panel on page 16 where brandy like regains consciousness <laughs> well she's been conscious all the while <laughs> it's just one eye open <laughs> isn't that a cool panel billy <laughs> yeah it's great she's you know playing possum here and Damn. the wraith is one's driving and the other one's hanging out the car with the laser pistol so you know that's what you see there and then you skip ahead to what actually happens and um doesn't she kick the one guy out the door yeah while he's <laughs> she pushes him out the door yeah he's the a guy and then here comes steve with the car oh it's Ooh. i'm going too fast to stop Thud. He's the wraith and knocks him into the air. Turns the guy, <laughs> turns the wraith into roadkill. Road wraith mm. kill. And then, That's yeah, great. Brandy's the little spitfire, man. I'm telling you, she's a real firecracker. She, she yeah. assaults this wraith, scratching his eyes. Looks like she's scratching his eyes out and then turns the <laughs> wheel at high speed and they crash into the side of the mountain. Now, this is the second car wreck that Brandy mm-hmm. survived. You know, the first one courtesy of Rom. Yeah. And, um, man, the next panel is gruesome. Like, um, Steve shows up to, to see if Brandy's okay. She made it out of the wreck. But what do we see in that last panel of page 22, Billy? Yeah, the wraith is there with his neck broken and blood coming out of his mouth. It's pretty Jeez. gruesome looking. And you, you can almost see the mm-hmm. bone protruding through the... Well, not through the skin, but you could see that this neck has been thoroughly snapped. snapped. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. done. And then the wraith... <laughs> This is now the, the only the the only the last proof that Steve needed that there there was an alien presence because the wraith he warps into his true form and then dissolves into a puddle of goo and then mm-hmm. Steve sees all of that so he's convinced that Rom is telling the truth. Yeah. So now mm-hmm. Steve is on Rom and Brandy's side, but he's still got to deal with the the fact that Brandy's you know sexually attracted to this giant metal <laughs> robot machine <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um you know uh firefall and uh rom they're taking a bit of a breather in their battle and then we get rom telling the story of his friend karis the gentle soul who saved his and life of, and, and and of course you know karis is in the fire so he's naturally a ginger yeah <laughs> yeah why <laughs> Uh, exactly man <laughs> oh, oh my gosh <laughs> but yeah damn so a uh, good point there and then you know we've got Rom and Karis you know, clasping arms just before the battle commences in their memories of course against the wraiths mm-hmm. and Karis you know he, he can't wait he wants the glory and then he heads off into battle uh, you know before the you say so I think Rom was the leader right Billy and Karis mm-hmm. sort of disobeyed his orders I mean, it's never stated that he was, but, you know, um, it certainly looks as if he was the leader. And right, the and greatest, Karis yeah. takes off, and he's just looking to kill. 
for the glory of Galador Rom. First blood will be mine. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Bloodthirsty for a peaceful Galadorian, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, at, well, this was just after uh, an entire Galadorian starship full of colonists, right, had been destroyed by raids. So violated. Oh, yeah. I can understand, yeah, that they would be, you know, mm-hmm. some of them would be, you know, murderous with rage. But um, Rom, you know, they were victorious, and then he... He's he's tired of talking now, so he just like what does Rom do? He just <laughs> punches. He, that that's quite a punch. He just sclang. Oh yeah, punches the crap out of. Uh, so so now we see Rom's been holding back all this time, right, Billy? Yeah, he really has. Like we said, just because he doesn't want to kill this guy because the guy's a human and an idiot, and then the the you know the emotional state he's in from seeing his fallen friend's armor. He was kind of really holding back, and then he's just like, that's it. And he just literally beats the snot out of this Archie guy. Yeah. Now, page on that last page, too, man, that Oof. top left panel, page 30, crack, slang, slang, and smashes the whole face mask, and looks what like there's blow. blood. The guy's bleeding on the inside and everything. You're like, wow, man, yeah. that's nasty. No, he's got some serious <laughs> internal injuries after this beating that Rom gave him. Yeah, he basically mm-hmm. bludgeons him into submission, and he's about to kill him when he resists the the killing urge and then uh you know who is it steve that says but he would have killed you rom and mm-hmm. um then uh rom says yeah i defeated him but the true victory lies in me showing him mercy because he doesn't mm-hmm. want to be like the dire race he doesn't want to have innocence suffer in his quest he doesn't want yeah he doesn't want to submit to the savagery of war that's right and throughout mm-hmm. this whole battle archie's was dealing with his own sense of horror as he realized the armor was then becoming part of him as his nervous mm-hmm. system aligned with the armor circuitry and now he can't get the armor off at the end of this mm-hmm. issue. So uh, we, we're left with Archie sort of screaming at himself, the, the armor, it won't come off. I can't get it off. So he's realizing <laughs> this is his life now. He became the thing he most despised, right, Billy? He became wrong. Yep. And that is the mm-hmm. worst punishment of all. So what yeah. a, what an ending. And then next month, ghostly goings-on in a house is not a home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, but Bill Mantos also got the alliterative streak that Stanley imparted to the bullpen, right? The friend. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The, the fire, the friend, and the foe. And now a house is not a home. <laughs> Yeah, this this issue was very, uh, you know, Stanley pathos to me for sure. Mm-hmm, definitely, it had you know uh, hints of Stan, or or mm-hmm. at least the general you know a zeitgeist of Marvel at the time, which was very much still Stan, even though he was now what off in California, trying to mm-hmm. promote Marvel TV, but uh, you know he still checked in every now and then, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you're right. And then this uh, is this the first time we get a letter column, Billy, or? I think we got a letter column before, mm. but we um, might have been the last issue. Yeah, uh, because a lot of these letters are about arrival, you know, like about the first yeah. issue. Um, oh, maybe not then. Yeah, maybe this is it. Yeah, and uh, you know the the folks are you know for the for the most part the you know uh, people writing in are nice. You know they're not critical, overly critical. Most of them mm-hmm. like the first issue, but. Um, you know, there are some folks that are nitpicking, and, you know, this really bugs me. I mean, I used to nitpick a lot, <laughs> right, Billy? But I don't know. Now I just see it as a waste of time. This one guy says, like, how how can Rom 
what's this one this one comment i, I think it's by a guy called uh steven Ber- bernard from westminster mm-hmm. he says how can rom continuously understand english when you know his translator was only present during the very first you know issue <laughs> and then it disappeared yeah. and it, now he can speak english permanently Th- this doesn't make sense <laughs> so and then, he's, ex- he's he's expecting his no prize in the mail yeah that's what he says i'm expecting my no prize and then they <laughs> just said no we're not even going to give you a no prize because sorry steven you misunderstood rom used his translator and then internalized the language in his cybernetic circuitry you know, easily mm-hmm. explained. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, think about it, Billy. It would be a hassle if, like we do in real life, if you can't speak a language, you constantly have to pull out your iPhone or your phone or your translator. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, for him, why would he want to do that? He would just... But, you know, back then, of course, this technology didn't exist. So it, it's it's valid that old Stephen might question that. But come on, anything can be explained away with this sci-fi tech. Yeah, so obviously Rom doesn't need to whip out his translator every single time he talks to a human. That would just mm-hmm. be be clunky and uh, clunky storytelling. That's and then, crazy. And then I just noticed too the very first letter, uh, Harold Arand Jr. Uh, his address. Uh, that town is uh, probably less than an hour from where I grew up. Really, drums. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. that's awesome, dude. Yeah. I thought that that sounded like some, some a place from Haiti or something, you know, the, the drums of Tombal or, or some place in the Iborian age, <laughs> the drums mm-hmm. of Tombalku or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, no, it's good. It's it's great. Um, and then next issue, there's a bit of a, a another a teaser there for the next issue, a truly different yeah. tale of possession and an enemy unlike any other pass with us through portals of fear into the dread domain of the house that was not a home. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. going to be a great issue too, Billy. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite covers. <laughs> oh, yeah. The next one. Oh, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. this cover itself wasn't too bad by Al Mulgram. Um, you know, but we'll talk about our favorite covers later. Uh, still, mm-hmm. pretty good cover too. Uh, but the next one, like you say, is a winner. All right, Billy. So mm-hmm. we'll head on into our next comic. And what be that? Mm, I think we are looking at, uh, is it Godzilla number four? That's right, the King of the Monsters, mm-hmm. Godzilla number four. This was cover dated mm-hmm. November 1977, on sale August the 3rd, 1977, and edited by Archie Goodwin, uh, one of the greatest editors of all time, and the cover mm-hmm. art by Herb Trimpey. Now, believe this issue is particularly uh, noteworthy because... Not only is the writer, again, Doug Munch, but this features a guest penciler. Mm. Not really a guest penciler. He was a fill-in penciler at the time. One of our favorites. Mm. And who be who's that? Uh, that would be Tom Sutton. Woohoo! Yeah, Tom Sutton. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they, they wanted to get him to fill in because he's known for drawing horror, monsters, grotesqueries of all kinds. And, and he mm-hmm. does so brilliantly in this issue. And he's inked by Tony DeZunga. Yeah. And you and yeah. Dezunica, you can't really see his style because he he's normally a heavy-handed inker. I think is Dezunica, mm-hmm. but not here. I mean, you see no. Tom Sutton's style coming through in in most cases. Lettered by yeah. John Constanza and colored by Phil Rachelson. And of course, you're mm-hmm. reading this in the Essential Godzilla trade paperback from two uh, thousand and six. So, Billy, uh, what's your synopsis for this uh, doozy of an issue? 
Well, I actually have the single issue of this one, remember? Oh, but yeah. But this is the only one I have. That's right. That's right. You're right. <laughs> the forgot about only that. single issue out of the whole color. 24. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Godzilla looks so, weird in green, man. <laughs> yeah. It, sometimes it's tough uh, on the printed page. It doesn't really work out like it does, you know, because mm, the mm, green mm. color they had in, like, the movies was, like, green, grayish. It just, they just wanted to go green like a lizard and, you know. Yeah, that's it, not sometimes who Godzilla look is. the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. So, yeah, whatever. They did the best they could for a comic book adaptation. To, you know how many movies? So I can forgive them for that. Yeah, two <laughs> things I can't really sanction in the Marvel comics, even though I love the comics and the stories and the whole Shield involvement and all the monsters, um, is the way they draw his radiation breath. You know, his mm-hmm. radioactive blasts or his his energy blasts from his mouth. It looks like a dragon breathing fire basically is what it is it it does yeah it it does and then of course the fact that they draw him to look very much like a giant Mm t-rex which is not at all what godzilla is supposed to look like Mm -hmm. you know uh, even the earliest godzillas never looked like t-rexes you know from the toho movies but anyway so yeah this appealed to kids so they probably had a plan i mean behind it so uh, Mm -hmm. a very distinctive look for godzilla but you know i like it and uh, because I loved dinosaurs as a kid, <laughs> so they didn't bother me mm-hmm. as a kid to see yeah. this, this this Godzilla no. version. And yeah, I think uh, uh, Doug mentioned said on many an occasion that he was told that that's what they wanted this to be geared towards was kids. So I'm sure they were just elated to see giant monsters, or at least a, a giant monster, and then uh, now two in this is- this issue. So super cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and this time around, it looks like it's a dinosaur versus a dragon, too. You know, so if you're a first time, you know, reader of Godzilla, a little kid picking this off of the stands, yeah, you're going to buy this <laughs> just off of the cover alone. So it works, right, Billy? So what do you have for us uh, with the tr- uh, synopsis? Okay, so an oil tanker is suddenly attacked by a new kaiju, but Godzilla quickly defeats this monster called Batragon. A dragon-like creature. We see then in the Aleutian Islands, this is just one monster of many that the evil Dr. Demonicus has at his disposal. (laughs) Dr. Demonicus. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Wow, they're great. Dr. Demonicus and his demon soldiers. (laughs) Oh, this is like Dr. Evil. You know, we we talked about off-mic about that Kirby villain from the, the demon series, Baron von Evelstein. Uh, what a great name, right, Billy? Dr. Demonicus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over in the Doctor Strange universe, you had Satanish, <laughs> you know, all of these, <laughs> these oh, yeah. uh, names. But I mean, this guy's not really a demon at all. This is just his, uh, you know, he's definitely uh, more in the line with, like, say, Hydra or uh, AIM. You know, that's like what his organization's all about. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, very cool name, very cool gear, and very cool uh, look that they're sporting their costumes. Um, so mine goes as follows, Billy. The monster mm-hmm. Batragon ravages a Libyan oil tanker, polluting the seas and causing the ire of Godzilla. Dr. Demonicus and his demon soldiers are at the root of the chaos, and the big G tracks them to their lair. Eskimos are horribly slaughtered, and Dum Dum makes yet another dumb decision while Jimmy Woo woos the beautiful Tamara 
The end. <laughs> <laughs> yep, old Jimmy Woo wants to get mm. it on with one of the Japanese imports, right? One of those mm-hmm. the Japanese think tank lady. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, good issue, Billy. I liked it. I the, the lot of action, a lot of monster on monster action, but also some surprising. I mean, for a kids comic, a comic geared toward kids, it's it's surprisingly horrific. I mean, Eskimos get machine gunned or laser blasted. Mm-hmm. And and they get Blast killed them, yeah. for resisting the the forces of Doctor Demonicus. I mean, they're basically being employed as slave labor, but they're going to yeah. die horrific deaths uh, over a, a protracted period of time because they're being exposed to this radiation. Um, mm-hmm. Because they're moving this this radioactive material without the protective gear that the uh, demon soldiers from Doctor Demonicus are sporting on this remote Aleutian island, which seems to belong to Dr. Demonicus, and he's been uh, <laughs> using some genetic experiments there to create this this batch, this zoo, this menagerie of mm-hmm. monsters, of giant kaiju, and they're powered by this life stone, which was a meteorite, right, that crashed onto mm-hmm. Earth or something in, in inside this volcano. Yeah. So, wow, talk about a villainous lair. This is James Bond level, but with an added mm-hmm. dose of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this reminds me of I can't remember the name of the episode, but there was a Johnny Quest episode where there was this island and there was a Asian uh, scientist, evil scientist guy, and he was using some kind of formula to grow animals. And there was a giant tarantula and a giant, like, you know, yeah. lizard-looking creature, like Godzilla-like creature or something. I don't know, but it was really cool. It kind of reminded me of this issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny story, right, Billy? Speaking about Johnny Quest, just a quick aside here. You know, I only saw a couple of episodes as a kid because they had them on on one of the South African channels, and then they just mm-hmm. they took them away. They they disappeared, you know. And then you mm-hmm. know, I've always wanted to see Johnny Quest again. So last year, for my I don't know if it was for what event it was, but Aaron bought me two Blu-rays: one Johnny mm. Quest, the complete Johnny Quest on Blu-ray. And mm-hmm. the second one was Thundar, the Barbarian oh, oh yeah. Blu-ray. Remember, I told you about that. <laughs> that's great. And I, but now yeah, this is that's great. I have the Johnny Quests, but not the Thundar. Now this is where it gets really, you know, bad. I haven't watched either of those Blu-rays yet. Oh <laughs> no! Why? I don't know. It's it's <laughs> sitting here on on well downstairs on the shelf, and I haven't even touched them. What's wrong with me, dude? Mm. I, I'm telling you, it's like it's like you're you're waiting for an omnibus. And you've been waiting for this omnibus of collected comics for ages, and then you buy it and you don't read it. And and what the hell? <laughs> That's exactly what I did. I better get on that, man. Ugh, yeah. it's, it's atrocious. Yeah. So no, I don't know Gotta which do episode it. you're talking about, but I'm gonna soon know. <laughs> Hopefully, mm-hmm. probably in, a couple, in <laughs> yeah. another ten years <laughs> when I get to yeah, it. Yeah, I can't remember the names of a lot of the episodes. Like I remember the scenarios, but not the name of the episode. I guess that wasn't something that was too uh, important to me. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's such a legendary show, such a cult mm. hit that uh, you know yeah. it has to be good. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's yeah. awesome. I'm gonna watch it. Um, and mm-hmm. then uh, great villains in that series too, right? Billy and Johnny Quest, similar to mm-hmm. Doctor Demonicus. Oh, here. well, yeah, Doctor Zin, you know the like Fu Manchu guy. Yeah. I liked him a lot. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know him just by his images, and yeah, great, great visual, very, very reminiscent of mm-hmm. those evil you know orientals mm-hmm. which is actually a, a terrible you know uh, stereotype but you know if uh, they they mostly did it you know no well it wasn't racist you know i think 
from what I've heard. It was like fresh, fresh, yeah, fresh off of you know, you know, World War Two. I'm sure was still in some a lot of people's minds, and yeah. then uh, Korean War and stuff like that. So yeah. that's just the way it was. Product you know of its mean? time, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, yeah. Okay, okay. So basically, uh, Billy, uh, this is a a fun issue because um, mm-hmm. you know we've got this introduction of this very. Uh, unique, oh, not unique. I mean, he's he's basically just a a staple of a villainy, but but he's very unique in his look and in the fact that he's this genetic. He's into creating kaiju, <laughs> yeah, which, mm-hmm. which is unique in the Marvel universe. I think. I mean, you've always had the giant monsters in Marvel, Fing Fan Foom, and all of that, but I don't think you've ever had someone who created them. You know, no, on purpose. I think too- yeah, it's important to point out that they were not allowed to use any other characters of Toho except yeah. Godzilla. That was it, which is ridiculous to me. I'm thinking, why not? Because Godzilla was the only real moneymaker they had. So yeah. who cares if you had Rodan or Ghidorah or whoever? But that, nonetheless, Doug mentioned, you know, the artists had to come up with all these other monsters. And this one's kind of cool. It looks like a gigantic, scary freaking dragon, but it has like a bat head. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, his name is not Bat-Dragon, it's Batragon, you know, so they leave mm-hmm. out the D, which is it's just cool, because it, it makes it mm-hmm. sound like, you know, because if it's Bat-Dragon, it would sound stupid, right, Billy? It's like yeah, a hybrid of a bat and a dragon. No, this this is cool. This <laughs> is like the name is based off of those two words, but not completely, you know, a compound word uh, like that, which would have been silly. So fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, idea, you know, having this volcano filled with a zoo full of uh, kaiju that's been con- created by, you know, Dr. Demonicus. And then, you know, Godzilla mm-hmm. sort of has a tussle with um, Batregan when Batregan is like polluting the oceans by almost capsizing and, and uh, damaging this oil tanker, right, Billy? And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know... Bat Dragon flees because Godzilla sort of tore his, his wing in in the in the brief tussle they had, so he mm-hmm. flees to recover. Um, you know, yeah. on this island, the Solution Island, with this volcano that that har- um, harbors the Life Stone, uh, which sort of is the yeah, power that source can heal them. Yeah, that that yeah. heals these uh, mm-hmm. kaiju of Doctor Demonicus. And then you know, um, this was done for a purpose though. Bat Dragon was sent uh, to you know. Uh, damage this oil tanker because then Dr. Demonicus's crew shows up and siphons the remaining oil uh, for their own mm-hmm. uses and then they head back to the island yeah. of Godzilla he's still pursuing you know the the flying Batrigan but Batrigan's of course now hampered mm-hmm. he can't fly at, at speed because of his torn wing I think Godzilla also blasted then, him right with a radioactive well, well it was a stream of fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Shield shows up too. And how about page seven there? I really love. I don't know who designed that helicopter there, but it almost looks like a fly or a mosquito or something. Yeah, it looks it? like a dragonfly. Like a, yeah, yeah, I mean, those are even, really cool. I mean, the the they they even call it Dragonfly One to Dragonfly Two or something, right? That on the communicator. Yeah, yeah, so. they look great, man. I don't know if that was Sutton or who that was, but whoever you know designed that, man, that is super, super yeah. cool. No, I'm pretty sure it's Sutton. Be so far, every single issue had new Shield tech showing up, and mm-hmm. wackier than the previous, uh, you know, tech that they sported. So yeah, these are giant flying dragonflies, you know, and they almost look like those uh, that 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 uh, insect ship that Arcane flew. In the Swamp Thing Volume Two, oh, comic by right. Pasco and, and 
Tuttleman and uh, yeah. I think Bassett, they were already on the issue on the on the series then before Alan Moore mm-hmm. came along. But yeah, it looks like very reminiscent of that. Not that organic looking, but definitely you know it looks like a giant metal insect they're flying in. And then you've got no, it's awesome. Oh, it's great. Uh, great design, like you say. And then you've got um, uh, Dum Dum and Gabriel Jones again arguing about the merits of <laughs> killing Godzilla. Yeah, I feel like one of these times, like one of them is going to punch the other one out. Like they keep really getting on each other's nerves. <laughs> yeah, they do. They you do. think they'd be good friends after you know World War Two and the Howling Commandos and being together for all these years? Nope, they're just like uh, constantly kind of at each other. Yeah, I think it's because uh, Dum Dum's got this added responsibility now tacked on, mm-hmm. and you know he's kind of have to pick between friendships and between doing his duty, and he obviously hasn't squared that yet. How how to do that? Uh, but he he says that you know uh, he threatens Gabriel at one point in time, but Gabriel just says, "I know you're too much of a teddy bear. I, I'm not going to take that threat seriously." <laughs> Dum Dum's not happy about that. Uh, oh, then, then we switched on page ten, like you said. What's his name hitting on uh, Jimmy Woo? Tamara, Tamara, yeah, trying to trying to get her to go see Star Wars. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And this is also promoting uh, the Marvel comic indirectly, right, Billy? Because they had them at the time. Oh, no, yeah. Comics and also the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, this one guy who doesn't know who Dum Dum is, yeah, this, this secretary dude or something, he gets a phone call from someone and then he says, Mr. Wu, phone call from you, for you from a Dum Dum Dugan? <laughs> <laughs> she's like what he the has hell no clue. is this a prank call <laughs> mm-hmm. and then oh, there's man. some other guy in the background there looking back like what oh is that what's his name the other the older scientist guy yeah that panel there's uh, and on the left there there's a yeah what is the that heck is his name i can't i can't even think of that guy's name but he's lo- looking backwards like at, over his shoulder jimmy Wu, like okay creep let's get to work yeah <laughs> damn dr yeah. taguchi yeah takaguchi takaguchi yeah yeah. And then um, <laughs> Dr. Tagaguchi, you know, he's not happy that uh, Tamara's flirting with a half-Japanese like Jimmy Woo, right? Or at least that's what the grandson says, right? Um, yeah. Uh... Uh, Robert, you know, the, because this think tank, this, this is a family, actually, you know? It's not just, uh, you know, different people from different walks of life that the Japanese send over. It's a family. <laughs> Yeah, the kid says, I see you do not approve of the Chinese-American flirting with Tamara, grandfather. Oh, he sorry, Chinese-American. Eh? Yeah, sorry, I said Japanese. Yeah, he goes, eh? what makes you say that, Robert? And he goes, you control your tongue well, but your eyes tell their own story. Mm, <laughs> I like go. that. He's, and, he's, and he's right, because the guy is looking over his shoulder, like kind of like, like he doesn't approve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He does. He, he does. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the older you know, uh, Japanese, uh, they were still fresh off of the, the mm-hmm. racist wave against the, the, the Asians. I mean, the Japanese definitely viewed the Chinese as lesser than them. So there was a racist element there. It definitely, but Tamara's more open for it. Like she's enjoying, uh, the attentions of Mr. Wu. And then Jimmy, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, they're looking over blueprints that Dr. Uh, Ta- Tagaguchi has designed here or that he's drawn up for a machine that can handle Godzilla. And Tony Stark looked over them and he gave it the go-ahead. So, you know, that's just uh, still coming in future issues, right? What that's going to be, Billy. But right now we've got Godzilla still stalking 
old Badrigan back to his home. And we see what could be... Now, Billy, you, you said they couldn't use any other kaiju, right? But once Badrigan yeah. flies into... And it's true. But once he flies into the volcano, hey, sitting right there is a... What? The twin sister of Mothra? That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of those monsters. Uh-huh. I yeah, don't and know. then, too, isn't there... Isn't one of them... Let me double check here, but isn't one of them... Oh, okay, yeah. I thought there was one that was like a spider-like creature, too, because there is a kaiju that's a spider. I can't remember the name of it, because I don't... I, I, I know mm, some remember. Godzilla stuff, but I don't know the name, but there is one that's a spider. Mm. And uh, then there is one that sort of looks a little Rodanish there, too. Yeah, there's one that looks like Rodan. Yeah. It's more like a pterodactyl, but, you know, it does. From, this, mm -hmm. from the one on page 11, it definitely looks like Rodan. And then and 14 um, there too, and then a snake-like one too, and there is a is that I think that's Manda, that's like a snake-like one too. Yeah, so it's based off of the kaiju uh, from, <laughs> from Toho, but not completely. Not so that they would say, "Oh my God, you you've you know broken our deal and infringed on our copyright." No, but then mm -hmm. we've got some great scenes here from Doctor Demonicus in his lab discussing what to do because Godzilla's showing up. They need to speed up their operations, mm -hmm. and. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this Dr. Demonicus and his cronies, they're they are bad news because they just, like I say, kill these Eskimos. And the Eskimo yeah. leader, he protests. He says, like, my people are dying from the radiation. Plus, you're forcing us to to collect these what to, these radioactive meteor metals that are make, yeah. making us sick. Plus, we have to provide you guys with all our food. And there, there will be none left for us when you leave. We'll all starve to death in any way. Mm -hmm. So that's why yeah. they, they have this brief uprising because they know they're dead either way. And then Dr. Yeah. Demonicus just orders his soldiers to to mow yeah. them down. Yeah, they wow. just I mean it's you you really you basically do see it too. It's not like it's kind it's kind of off panel but not really like the guy that protests, he grabs Dr. Demonicus by the arm when he tries to walk away from him and he says, "No, it must stop now." And then Dr. Demonicus, you see him just point his finger at the guy. And zack, zack with these guns or laser pistols or whatever. And you see them like going right in the guy's like face and body. And there he goes. He's done. He's laying on the ground. Actually, there's two or three of them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their dead bodies are guys. smoking. I mean, they've got obviously yeah. got these laser blasters based off of the sound effects. And like you say, the, you know, the fact that their bodies are smoking after they blasted mm -hmm. them. So high tech weaponry here. Uh, mowing down these poor Eskimos. And then, you know, this part is very incredulous, Billy. I don't believe it. Godzilla sneaks up on them. Now, we're talking about Godzilla here, folks. Every His footsteps step would is cause an like earthquake. a tremor. Yeah. Yeah. He's, this is crazy. And he sneaks up on them from an elevated height from a mountaintop. Whoa. He jumped down, and apparently they didn't hear him from, you know, 50 yards away. And then these poor uh, Inuit people... He just starts like smashing around like a maniac and like stepping on them and stuff. One's flying through the air like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? The? He stepped on a piece of ice and it flipped the guy like a flapjack into the air. Like, yeah. He's cr it's crazy. And then of course, Demonicus is like, "What is this thing? Kill it! Kill it!" And they start shooting at it with their pea shooters, basically. Yeah, yeah, but nothing can happen. I mean, at first they mistake <laughs> him for for one of Doctor Demonicus's creations who briefly escaped or something. Throwing a temper yeah. tantrum, but no, that's not it. And then there's a single <laughs> panel at the end of page 17, which is just a sound effect. Boom. Because Godzilla's, mm -hmm. his radioactive blasts have detonated the meteorite foundry. Now you know everybody in that vicinity is dead. 
right? Belief from that uh-huh. explosion alone. Save for Godzilla. The Eskimos are dead. The soldiers have been taken out by this explosion. Now, of course, Godzilla did this unintentionally with his right. radioactive, you know, breath. But still, mm-hmm. man, this issue is full of death for a kid's issue. And then, yeah, you jump ahead to page 22 there, and Dr. Demonicus is going to get on his demon ship, whatever you want to call it, with his logo on the front of it there. And then uh, he's like, what was that? Because he can hear an alarm. Or he, I'm sorry, it's, he spins around an alarm. Right? I guess he can hear Godzilla going ape. And he says, must have been the Eskimos again. Another uprising. I'll feed them to all my creation. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he goes back there, and then here comes S.H.I.E.L.D., but Dr. Demonicus is standing there, and he goes, Godzilla, but what's he doing here? And Godzilla is literally like 10 feet away from him, looking down at him. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. They didn't draw him to scale there, I think, accurately. No. I'm not blaming, no. blaming Sutton and them, but it's a perspective shot, but still, <laughs> it, it Godzilla looks very small in these panels, right, Billy? And uh, he, he, yeah. he leaves the humans to their fate. He just ignores Dr. Demonicus and then decides to continue his battle with uh, Batrigan by climbing mm-hmm. up the, the lip of this, the rim of this volcano. And then he sees, of course, the... Now, uh, <laughs> while that's happening, Dr. Demonicus runs into his control room because he wants to uh, protect his creations at first from Godzilla because, you know, after this all, they're recovering, healing, you know, on this lifestone. His kaiju, <laughs> they're not ready to face Godzilla. And then yeah. they're protected by this energy web or net. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that sort of blankets them while they're um, sitting on this live stone, just chilling. And then Batrigan, though, is not having that. He sees Godzilla invading his home. He's ready to rumble, right? He's ready to get mm-hmm. it on. So Bat- oh, yeah. Batrigan batters the net from, from, from the inside while Godzilla's mm-hmm. like, what, taunting him? <laughs> they say Godzilla's like <laughs> taunting him. Come on out, goading him. You know, come mm-hmm. on out for a fight, Batrigan. And then uh-huh. Batragon, you know, he leaps at the chance. He breaks through this net. And Dr. Demonicus can't believe it. He, he believe it. He's even screaming, no, it's impossible. He can't penetrate the force field. The shock will kill him. And then Batragon does, in fact, penetrate this force shield. And he starts, you know, gnawing on Godzilla's neck. And they... Yeah, he's biting him. Plummeting down the, the side of the volcano, right, Billy? But listen, mm-hmm. there. This was never a contest because what happens, Billy? As soon as they reach the bottom, yeah. Well, Godzilla is just so huge, so they're. About, it looks like they're about to hit the bottom, and a bunch of the Inuit people are just pointing and yelling. And it looks like Godzilla, kind of just at the last second, there almost uh, flips it around. So Batrigan takes the brunt of the fall and like almost like he lands on top of them. Mm. And then uh, he just grabs him, just kicks the crap out of him, and that's the end of Batrigan, man. He he basically just kills him right there. Yeah, Godzilla kills him by crushing him to death, I think. He crushes him to death by, by smashing him into the side of the volcano. The volcano, but yeah. With his body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so he crushes him with his body against the side of this volcano, and then he steps on him, but he's already dead by this point. You know, when he when he roars in triumph, now look at that mm-hmm. foot that he that he uses to step on the dead bat dragon. I mean, Billy, yeah, that it's almost <laughs> flat on the ground, meaning he's that yeah. part of bat dragon's body has been turned into a pizza or something. I mean, it's flat. 
And it then, is flat as a pancake, yeah. And, and then, then here comes Gabe and Dum Dum. Dum Dum now again a stupid decision here by Dum Dum Dugan. You know they spot this the secret base, and I don't know what mm-hmm. their thoughts are, but they say is that an SAC base or something? Godzilla's attacking it. They're thinking it's one of their own, you know. Yeah. And then they start blasting Godzilla with these mm-hmm. rockets, and 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 then you know again Dum Dum turns on Godzilla. He doesn't really survey the situation nicely. You know, um, mm-hmm. because if he just with a bit of reconnoitering, they would have seen all these dead Eskimos and these weirdly dressed villains lying about. Nope, they didn't spot yeah. that. And then, you know, we've yeah. got the to-be-continued sort of scenario with S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. engaging Godzilla and then Dr. Demolicus about to release the rest of his creations, right? Mm-hmm. He's just like, well, yeah, let's let S.H.I.E.L.D beat the crap out of Godzilla, and then he's got a, his finger on a button where it's going to release uh, the creatures to fight whoever. If Godzilla's still going or S.H.I.E.L.D., whoever's still going, that's who they're going to go after. But, yeah, too funny. But, yeah, he says a sack base, and that's like one of the strategic air command bases. <laughs> mm. So, you know, yeah. um, the explosive conclusion, next issue in Isle of Lost Monsters. <laughs> now, we've already <laughs> discovered that Isle in this issue but mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely gonna have an explosive ending. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, great, great issue, Billy. Some great action because this is the first time Godzilla fought someone on his level, uh, mm-hmm. another kaiju, and it's a Marvel kaiju that yeah. they created, but now immediately killed yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> enjoyable, right? That's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So let's head off into our final uh, issue, which is of course the Micronauts, also issue four, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, this is a good issue to end it with, Billy, because it's a it's a really good, a fun time. And um, mm-hmm. I'm going to give the details here. We've got uh, Micronauts issue 4 published, cover dated uh, April 1979, but on sale January the 9th, 1979, and edited mm-hmm. by Al Milgram. Penciled by Michael Golden, uh, the cover, I should say, penciled by Michael Golden, inked by Joseph Rubenstein. Mm-hmm. And the title of the story is A Hunting We Will Go. <laughs> and uh yeah uh mm-hmm. writer bill mantlow penciler michael golden on the interiors inked by joseph rumenstein so the same cover team here doing the mm-hmm. interiors of course lettered by john constanza colored by carl gaffert and this was only mm-hmm. reprinted once i think uh in micronaut special edition number two from 1984 so you gotta kind of read this yeah. in the originals if you if you want or you gotta f- somehow find that special edition yeah. Right, so Billy, um, I don't know, uh, the Marvel app, they don't have the Micronauts, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I haven't been on <laughs> Marvel Un- Unlimited in ages. I've stopped my subscription there, uh, but I don't think they've got Micronauts, I'm pretty sure. You know, rights issues, yeah. I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're allowed to put that even digitally anywhere either without you know having the rights to it yeah no they're not so yeah you're right it's yeah it's just that one you said that special edition they did a couple what what did they have two or three issues like kind of squished into one like oversized issue they did like maybe two or three four of them tops or whatever that was it yeah that's right so difficult to come by but i mean you might be able to pick this up in the wild uh it's going to be pricey Mm -hmm. if you want a very good copy but if you're willing to settle for a lower grade copy not that bad um, yeah, mine's probably like a very good plus maybe. It's it's in decent shape, mine is. And I think I got it for like less than $5, so not bad. 
Yeah, mine's firmly just a G. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> I must have read this thing a hundred times. It's not holding up well. Let's just say that, Billy. <laughs> um, but, you know, a uh, fun issue. So uh, let's get mm -hmm. to our synopsis, Billy. Um, you go first. What do you mm -hmm. have for us? On Homeworld, Baron Karza has his minions execute a culling and search of the rebels, specifically trying to find a member of the royal family. Back on Earth, our band of heroes has to deal with not only a battered ship, but a missing comrade, Bug, as well. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, good one. Mm -hmm. Okay, mine goes as follows. The Micronauts seek to repair the damaged Endeavor and Sky limps back to Ray Coffin's backyard to pick up Bug. Ray and Steve, however, are in hell. And not really hell. <laughs> we'll find out what I mean later. <laughs> and Bug's along for the ride. Back in the microverse, mm -hmm. Lady Slug is captured by dog soldiers while Karza fires Prince Shaitan for incompetence. All this and <laughs> Biotron circuitry picks up the presence of that most insidious of forces, love. <laughs> so yeah, we've got some fun times mm -hmm. in this issue, right? But so okay, so first, like you say, uh, uh, issue opens up with this uh, culling. Like you say, Baron Karza's mm. dog soldiers Jeez. are hunting down the rebels, the insurgents, as they call them. And they're specifically yeah. looking for this beauty called Lady Slug, um, <laughs> who's a part of the royal family. I mean, she was destined to marry Prince Argon, who's, who's been captured and now being turned into force commander by Baron Karza. And yeah. they're looking for Lady Slug because she's leading the rebels. Uh, they manage to, to, mm -hmm. to capture the rebels and kill a lot of them, even though they say they don't want to kill a lot of them because they want fodder for the body banks. They, they do just blast away these dog soldiers. They, they, they just uh, well, you know, devastate these forces. Yeah, it seems like it, he kind of, the one guy says, the commander says, like, if anybody has any kind of a weapon or, you know, tries to get silly, then blast away. And I guess some of them do a weapons and some of them they just kill for kicks. Yeah, yeah, they, they probably already got their quota right after they, they mm -hmm. cornered the rebels and now they're just having fun and it's a it's a turkey shoot so, it's rough mm, it's bad man you see a lot of death mm -hmm. in in mm -hmm. all of these issues you know except for wrong yeah we didn't get death there we thought we were going to get the death of archie striker but nothing happened so <laughs> mercy in rom but in godzilla and in the micronauts no way it's 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 blood it's bloodthirsty and yeah. then you know you've got um lady slug disguising herself as one of the regular soldiers um, and then she's captured, but they don't know who they've got. Uh, so they've, mm -hmm. they've captured Lady Slug. And then, you know, Baron Karza, you know, he's sort of um, killing one of these. Uh, well, one of the insurgents pretends to be Lady Slug in order to save her. And yeah. um, Baron Karza kills him in a very strange way, believe you. How does he kill him? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the, you know, shock troopers or whatever you want to call them here uses the butt of his gun to smash the guy's face in now like, believe, it's pretty nasty it's nasty now the way they're drawn they look like the lapd to me <laughs> they, yeah it, they do look like cops with their like riot gear on well at least the helmets anyway and yeah. it, the guy's face underneath looks like a skeleton almost but i think he's got like a almost like a mask on maybe for uh like when you're gonna shoot like tear gas and crap like that but yeah they bust this guy's face up really bad yeah man and and since he just tells the baron that he is slug baron that takes him at his word and he says thank you for saving me the trouble of a brain probe rebel 
and then whoosh, <laughs> he fires his hand yeah, like a rocket. Crazy. This is a crazy way to kill someone. This is like Darth Vader <laughs> yeah. using the force to mm. force choke someone. This is Baron Karza's, uh, you know, version of a force choke. He and I think this mm-hmm. is this might be directly based off of Star Wars. You know, having Vader kill these people with with the force. This is Baron Karza's version of that. Could be. Yeah, it could but be. He, he he fires out his right hand like a rocket. It detaches uh, itself, and then it uh, grabs this rebel by the neck and strangles him to death, and then returns uh, remotely to Baron Karza's to the socket arm, to the socket. Yeah, of his arm. Like, yeah, wrist socket there. Yeah, that's just, that's wild, man. I love that. That's my favorite part of the issue. That you know when it shows the rebels and everything going on back there. I actually enjoy that a lot more than I do. The rest of the issue, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the rest of the issue is still very much in the vein of the, the Micronauts dealing with the fact that they're, uh, you know, miniatures in a world of giants, you know? So mm-hmm. that's going to get pretty old pretty soon, but it'll change up very quickly because they're always going to mm-hmm. have... They're going to return to the Microverse soon, you know, Billy. And we've got more space yeah. opera action. But right now, mm-hmm. that's very much the conceit of the series. Half of the story's told in Daytona Beach. <laughs> With these miniature <laughs> micronauts, and then the other half is the rebellion. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, buddy, uh, one thing that I want to mention about that gruesome kill is the scream, uh, yeah, and the penciling by mm-hmm. Michael Golden showing that this guy was not just strangled to death; his windpipe was crushed um, mm-hmm. with such force that blood came pooling out of his mouth, and he died in a pool of his own blood. I mean, his head's there lying in a pool of yeah. blood when the hand retracts itself and flies back to Karza. And mm-hmm. and then we've got, you know, back on Daytona Beach, the Endeavor, you know, broken and uh, damaged. It's uh, trying to repair itself, but it can't. It needs a safe base. So it decides, you know, Commander Ran and, and Princess Marie, Marionette, they're mm-hmm. arguing amongst each other, saying that they should head back to, to the Microverse. But... You know, Commander Ran saying he can't because the ship's damaged. So they got to pick up Bug as well. And the the safest place to do the repairs is in Ray Coffin and Stephen Coffin's backyard. <laughs> they know they've <laughs> got a friend there, right, Billy? In yeah, um, uh, in Steve. And uh, no hostel. Yeah. yeah. And now you know we we cut back there, uh, and Ray and Steve's heading off to NASA uh, to show off their alien, you know find the wreckage of the mm-hmm. spaceships that were totaled during the battle with Prince Shaitan. And um, they're both in there and they're bringing the dog and Bug hitches a ride because he's thinking that the rest of the Micronauts are dead. They might have been destroyed mm-hmm. in the fight. He's the only one alive. He needs the ship that they're carting off in the shoebox because that's one of mm-hmm. Prince Shaitan's ships. It's still in relatively good condition. He could um, Jimmy that ship to take him back to the microverse. At least that's what he's hoping. So he's tagging yeah. along with them, but uh, along the way, it's like he's running an obstacle course of dangers here. Sprinkler <laughs> system hits him. The dog mm-hmm. is suspicious of him and barks at him all the time. And uh, eventually he makes it onto the truck, clings onto the back. And then uh, they head through to NASA, right? believe the security clearance mm-hmm. is, is good. And the one security guard, though, he spots something clinging to the back of, of the <laughs> truck. But it just looks like a little lizard or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Or a giant-ass grasshopper. <laughs> Locust. Which, and, hey, I mean, in Florida, there's a lot of crazy uh, 
stuff wildlife. like that down there because of the yeah because of how hot and steamy it is down there <laughs> oh damn man okay mm-hmm. there's watch. lizards all over the place down Oof. there <laughs> yeah the same here man in the trop- tropical climes of taiwan where i'm at the moment you know it's like filled with mm-hmm. weird, weird creatures mm-hmm. and then they meet uh, dr philip prometheus an old partner of uh, ray coffins who actually used to be one of his fellow astronauts and this Dr. Prometheus, he will play a significant role in the Microverse universe. You'll see him a couple of times, Billy, throughout the mm-hmm. series. Um, and then, uh, you know, they show him the alien tech. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he's fascinated. And now, you know, we've got Bug over there. Now, the, the, the funny thing about this is, in my synopsis, I mentioned that this part of NASA, this research center that they're going at to, where Dr. Prometheus work. It's, it's called the Human Engineering Life Laboratory. And the mm-hmm. acronym is, of course, HAL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So That's crazy. Wow. This is definitely going to be mm-hmm. HAL for, for the mm-hmm. Micronauts down the line. You'll see what, what we mean, listeners, when we get there. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Micronauts are back in Ray Coffin's backyard. They crash land in the garage... Uh, and then <laughs> this is, it looks like just a little bit, a remote controlled drone just falling to the ground. But for them, it's like a legitimate crash landing. I mean, there are yeah. injuries and they're shaken up. And then we cut back to to the microverse, Billy, uh, where Prince Shaitan and his crew is breaching the source wall. And yeah. immediately, as soon as they're back in the microverse, what happens? Uh, Baron Karza shows up and says he is not pleased. <laughs> yeah, and he fires Prince Shaitan. He gives him the boot, mm-hmm. but he also—it mm-hmm. seems that he brainwashed the rest of the, well, the crew and possibly the entire population of Acroyer's uh, home planet, because uh, now he's taking away the—they th- call it thought washing, right? Thought washing. He, he's yeah. removing the thought washing, so the people now know the truth. They know that it was Prince Shaitan who had betrayed their their beloved king uh, or Prince Acroyer, their beloved mm-hmm. ruler. And now they're going to uh, get their pound of flesh by taking turn out, on him. You know, turn on Prince Shaitan. So he's screaming and Baron Karza just teleports away laughing, mm-hmm. have a bit of sinister laughter there in his wake. Uh, so Billy, then we've got an interesting scene. Now this is a very weird way to end the issue. You know, they're yeah. repairing the ship. So that, that's what actually makes it my least favorite issue of the bunch that we discussed because uh, this doesn't leave mm-hmm. you with much of a cliffhanger or anything. A little bit, but it just ends with them repairing the ship and then some uh, some of them are taking off in the Astro Station, which is their little version of the Fantastic Car from the Fantastic Four. Yeah. It's this little flying Fantastic Car type vehicle, this Astro Station. And they're flying off mm-hmm. to explore, to find Bug and Biotron staying behind to supervise the repairs and then he's saying that you know it's strange that the the uh, aggressive banter and arguments between commander ran and princess marie it's it's very similar <laughs> to you know what his uh sensitive instruments can identify as the human emotion known as love <laughs> yeah yet they seem unconscious of it i wonder why <laughs> yeah and then he just discounts that thought. Oh, well, it's getting late. I've got a ship to repair. Next, the Prometheus Pit. Yeah, this is where, mm. where they're going to get into some real danger here on Earth. I mean, so far they've just had a 
slight, you know, um, a bit of an altercation, a dogfight against Prince Shaitan's troops. But now mm-hmm. we're getting into some really serious stuff. Yeah, so, how about that pinup, though? Ooh, oh, the my Endeavor. Gosh. It's basically the schematic ooh. of the Endeavor done by Michael Golden. Wow, that is impressive. Very detailed, right, Billy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's incredible. It's really, really nice. It's yeah. also got a lot of text, right? A lot of text, giving you basically the complete history of the faster-than-light space travel development mm-hmm. by the the, yeah. the micro versus scientists a thousand years ago of course now they've got you know instantaneous warp drives but back then they could only mm-hmm. you know affect a faster than light uh you know ship and that was the endeavor so wow mm-hmm. fantastic bit of a you know splash page well um a pinup like you say there whoa so impressive so, Billy, that brings us to the end. Now, first off, before we discuss mm-hmm. favorite issues, what was your favorite cover of the bunch? Uh, for me, that is actually going to be... It's it's close. It's almost a tie, but I think I'm going to have to go with Micronauts, even though I really enjoy the Godzilla cover because, you know, hey. big monster fighting another big monster. It's, mm-hmm. It hasn't happened yet in this in this series. So that was really super cool, too. So a slight edge to Micronauts. I'm exactly the same. I give it to Micronauts because that Baron Karza's armor, the way it's designed, it just looks badass. It looks like something out of a 70s sci-fi movie, something like, um, you know, um, Zardos, <laughs> you know, that giant floating head, <laughs> floating head in Zardos, but more sinister looking, not so silly. And then you see Karza mm-hmm. blasting these these folks with these ray blasts and just killing them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in the background between his legs there in the, the background, you see people getting shot up too. It's crazy. Yeah, and I just love the name, which is not, in fact, the name that's used in the, 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 the story itself. The, the name of the title of the story is uh, A Hunting We Will Go, which is great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the name on uh, plastered on the front of the cover is Death's Stronghold. Death's <laughs> Stronghold. That's, that's a great title for a story as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah, and it looks like uh, from a reader's perspective that Karza's blasting you. You know, like, mm-hmm. like you're next in line. You're you're next in line to be called. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Billy, what's your number two? Second favorite. Well, uh, it would definitely be Godzilla. Mm, okay. So we're mm-hmm. of like mind here. Uh I love the Godzilla cover because the two kaijus are getting it on. They're they're tearing into each other. But um the reason mm-hmm. why I didn't pick ROM is because this, I think this is one of Al Milgram's weaker covers. You know, I, I don't like the way he drew Firefall. Uh, you know, Rom's yeah. fine. Rom's good. Uh, but mm-hmm. Firefall leaves something to be desired. I don't know. He looks very generic. Just a guy in a red suit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something that yeah. bugs me. Yeah, and then there. the background, like, at the bottom there with the people and everything, that looks kind of generic down there, too. Not a really big fan of that, either. Yeah, you can even. But Rom like, looks great. Yeah, Rom looks fantastic. That that's that's the, yeah. the win here. But um, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of the cover not so much. Yeah, so still not a bad cover, but you know, you're definitely not. Uh, if you compare it with the other two, it's definitely firmly in third place. Yeah, so, for sure. So Billy, now your favorite issue of the bunch, story wise, art wise, everything. Uh, for me, that's definitely Rom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to tough to unseat Rom for me. But Micronauts, I really like uh, enjoyed. Like I said, the first I should first half, the parts of Micronauts that had the home world, you know, 
and Baron Karza and all that stuff going on, I really, really like if it would have been an entire issue of just all that kind of stuff, that would have been my favorite issue. Yeah, but I, I really wasn't a fan of the, you know, the the team uh, being on Earth yet. That was just like, eh, just OK to me. That was kind of slow, kind of a little boring, maybe. So that's the only thing keeping Micronauts from number one. But I mean, Godzilla, it's almost like a battle for second place, a tie for second place between Micronauts and Godzilla. Because I did like Godzilla. It was fun seeing the monsters battle and some of the funny scenes in that one as well. That kind of they're mm, both like two mm, mm. A and two B. <laughs> yeah, I feel exactly the same. You know, um, Micronauts did have its moments. You know, the whole Han Solo and Princess Leia thing between. Uh, Princess mm-hmm. Marie and uh, Commander Rand. That's not getting old yet. That's still fun. And especially since yeah. the rest of the crew are picking up on that before they are. And also, you know, mm-hmm. Croyer cracks a joke, right? They're looking for Bug <laughs> and Biotron's scanning yeah. for intelligent life. And he's saying, you know, um, there aren't, there's no intelligent life in the vicinity, Commander. <laughs> and then, um, you know, Croyer says, that doesn't rule out Bug, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the micronauts are like looking at him like what you cracked the joke you've never done that before <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny he's always the serious one of the bunch you know um also mm-hmm. the one with the most tragic backstory is a croyer so there's no reason for him to be joyous but you know still it's weird it's a great moment but you know even that mm-hmm. keeps it from 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 being one of the best issues but that's why i'm yeah. still gonna give it the second spot so billy i'm firmly in your mm-hmm. camp it's it's the same with me this this week around. We're we're no different here. Last week we were, but or the last month I said mm-hmm. we were, but this time around I'm yeah. also the same. Rom's the best because it has this fantastic battle and it's got this great story of Rom and his friend and how they were separated and now he's dealing with the death of his lost friend. He's mourning mm-hmm. and uh, also it's got some yeah. fantastic Brandy Clark, Steve Jackson moments. And um, Brandy's not, (laughs) you know, a damsel in distress. She's someone who chooses her own destiny and she does it, you know, brilliantly in that issue. That's what I love about her. And then you've got um, Mm -hmm. the tie, a near tie, you know, between Godzilla and and Micronauts. But I'm going to give it to Micronauts because, you know, some Mm -hmm. some I'm I'm getting tired of Dum Dum and his, you know, uh, you know, his. what what do you call a stubbornness a little bit you know dum dum's working yeah. on my nerves even though i love the guy uh and the the whole gabriel jones thing i mean they've been doing that for three issues now uh come on you know yeah i feel like if they would just have godzilla and the scientists like mm, and mm-hmm. even jimmy woo poking around that would be great or i should say great but that would be better because the the shield stuff's getting older. Maybe yeah. only every two or three issues insert shield. Not every issue. It would yeah. be. It, yeah. would, it would be better. Yeah, Dum Dum's just gumming up the works here. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, it it, it definitely there, there needs to be an angle, a shield angle. But they they try to basically take Godzilla down every single issue. Um, mm-hmm. They should be like you say more in the background, plotting some sinister well de- developing some means of taking down godzilla that shows up every three or four episodes and then it should be godzilla versus you know other people like dr demonicus and his kaiju or even other threats mm-hmm. you know? uh, so good point there but yeah the micronauts issue is my number two and then godzilla number three because of that so highly enjoyable mm-hmm. uh read this month i think uh, for mm-hmm. house of licensed ideas yeah we had fun mm-hmm. talking about these issues all right, mm-hmm. listeners, now look uh, look out for a poll, right? Because Billy will be putting up a poll pretty soon on the Patreon site there. 
Uh, and we're going to be mm-hmm. asking you what you think, uh, what we should cover on Into the Weird every other episode. Um, you know, once we've we're, we've done with the Doctor Strange episode, we normally focus on something in Marvel Bronze Age. We're going to have our patrons vote on that, right, Billy? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So that'll be, you know, right around the first month, first week of the month. Yeah, and that's going to be one of the new things we introduce. Look out for more in the future. We've got plans, lots of plans. And we're slowly implementing them for our Patreon site. And uh, mm-hmm. thanks again, patrons, for supporting us and for listening to the House of Licensed Ideas. Uh, but with mm-hmm. that, Billy, I'm off to read some comics. And you're probably off to catch a few Zs since you've got mm-hmm. work tomorrow. Um, mm. But we'll be back with some more recordings pretty soon. Uh, mm-hmm. So thanks yep. again for listening. And take care of yourselves, listeners. That's bye from me. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you.